because we got the alternative energy right. nuclear free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network hello and welcome to the radioactive show we pay our respects to the people of the Kulin Nation on whose unceded land this show is produced and broadcast from and all those who are listening in across the continent. I'm Michaela and today we mark Hiroshima Day and think about all those around the world who have died due to nuclear weapons and to all those survivors of atomic bomb explosions, Habaksha, around the world whether it's at Hiroshima or Maralinga and Emu Field or the Marshall Islands or Turtle Island and all those survivors and their descendants suffering to this day due to their exposure. Let us not forget also that nuclear weapons exist due to the mining of uranium and those destructive impacts of the nuclear chain begin from the very first moment that uranium is dug up. On the show today, we'll be speaking to Margaret Williamson, one of the members of the Anti-Orcus Coalition and organisers of a Hiroshima Day rally in Nam, Melbourne. And we'll also be hearing the story of a Habaksha, Setsuko Thurlow. But first up on the show, we wanted to pay tribute to a very special artist and activist that had passed... In this last week, Uncle Archie Roach, an incredible Gundich Mara and Banjalang songman and elder, and we send out our deepest condolences to his family and friends and the local community here in Coolan Lands of Fitzroy that he was such a, an important part of, and to all those who have been moved by his powerful message of peace, justice and, and human understanding. So in this song, No, 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 from the album Charcoal Lane, which was released in 1990, Archie talks about the mining of uranium and in his usual direct manner asks, we're living in the nuclear age, what the hell for? No. What the hell for? 
Archie Roach with No 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 from the album Charcoal Lane. We're going to listen to Setsuko Thurlow, Habaksha, who was a young woman in Hiroshima at the time of that the US dropped the nuclear weapon. Many of you might have heard Setsuko's story before, but I think it's really worth listening again um, to these stories as a reminder of the human impact under nuclear weapons. You have no idea how delighted I am to be here. I really am. Now, I'll just speak from the heart. And of course, my experience as a victim on that day and aftermath, and since then, 74 years passed. So, talking about my own personal life, my family life, and collective memories of Hibaksha. Well, I'll start with my own personal experience. I was a 13-year-old girl, a grade 8 junior high school student, but Japan was losing badly in war. We couldn't afford to stay in the classroom and study. We were mobilized by the army, by city government, and so on, to provide the cheap labor. Um, That very morning, I was at the military headquarters, not at the school. But three weeks prior to that, uh, about the group of 30 students were uh, recruited and we started getting the training at Army Headquarters how to deal with the top secret uh, messages. So we learned how to decode those. Can you imagine 13-year-old girls dealing with the nation's top secret information? How desperate Japan was. So I met the girl, the group of 30 students at the station. We walked to the military headquarters and walked into the big wooden building. We went up to the second floor, and which was located about one mile from the ground zero. And at sharp at 8 o'clock, the assembly started. And Major and I was giving us the pep talk. This is the day you prove your patriotism to the emperor. Do your best and so on. We said, yes, sir, we'll do our best. Then at that second, I saw the blinding bluish-white flash in the window. Then I had the sensation of floating up in the air. When I regained the consciousness I found myself pinned under the collapsed building. Total silence, total darkness. I tried to move my body, but I couldn't. So I knew I was faced with death. 
It was strange. I wasn't panic-stricken in that condition. I calmly accept facing death. Then I started hearing faint voices of my classmates. Mother, help me. God, help me. So I knew I was not alone in that darkness. Then all of a sudden, somebody started shaking my left shoulder from behind. Strong male voice said, don't give up, don't give up, keep moving, keep kicking, keep pushing. I'm trying to free you. You see the sun ray coming through that opening. Crawl toward it. Get out of here as quickly as possible. To make a long story short, that's what I did in the darkness. By the time I came out of the building, uh, building, no, there wasn't a building, the rubble, I should say, the rubble was on fire. I looked back and thought about my girlfriend in there, in the same room. But no way I, I could go back into the flame. So that meant about 30 other girls who were with me in the same room were all burned to death alive. I looked around. Although it happened in the morning, it was dark, perhaps because of the smoke and soot and the particle in the air, which was rising in the mushroom cloud. So it took me some while before my eyes got adjusted. Then I began to see some moving dark object approaching to me. And finally, I figured out they were injured people desperately shuffling from the center of the city to the outskirts. The man said, soldier said, well, you girls, I and two other girls, you girls joined that procession and escaped to the nearby hill. That's what we did. And we learned how to step over the dead bodies. And um, we managed to escape. At the foot of the hill, there was a huge military training ground about the size of two football fields. Quite a big place. By the time I got there, the place was packed with the dead bodies and dying people. Some groan, but mostly begging voices, very faint voices. Water, please. Water, please. Nobody was yelling, hey, I'm in trouble, give me water. Nobody had that kind of physical and psychological strength. Just simply begged for water. We wanted to be useful because we were lightly injured. We went to the nearby stream, washed off the blood and the dirt, and we tore off our blouses and soaked them in the water and dashed back and put that over the mouth of the dying people who just, (laughs) they just um, sucked in the moisture. That was a level of so-called rescue operation. I quickly looked around and see if there were any healthcare professional helping, 
But of course not. They too, uh, I learned later about 80% of the medical professionals, nurses were killed, they were too killed, but the remaining people were working at some other places, I think, but not where I was. So, uh, it, it looked rather hopeless kind of situation, but at least... We were doing something people were asking for, and we kept, three of us kept doing that all day. When the darkness fell, we sat on the hill, and all night we watched the entire city burn, feeling numbed from massive death and human suffering we had witnessed. Okay, that is my first day. I can't, well, in my family, I lost nine members, my close family, uncle, aunts, cousins, sister, nephew, sister-in-law, and so on. The injury was caused by the blast, and the heat, heat of about three to 4,000 degrees Celsius at the ground level. I understand the, the explosion took place up there. In the center of the explosion, the heat was way over one million degrees Celsius, but that fireball descended to the ground where human beings are living, and they were simply incinerated. Some were vaporized, some were carbonized. Um, majority of the girls from my girls' high school were in the center part of the city. And those people had no chance to survive, most of them simply vaporized. But there was one girl, my best friend, who happened to be there, who survived and came back and told us what their last minutes were like. Everybody was so badly burned, and a math teacher was there supervising the girls, and uh, they couldn't walk. The math teacher invited the girls to surround her, so from my school, all the girls came in circle. The teacher died there. We rejoiced when we learned that my favorite uncle and aunt survived. They were okay. No visible outside injury. But then about a week later, we started hearing, no, they were not okay. So after my sister and my nephew died, we had a so-called cremation for them, my parents went and looked after my uncle and aunt. And their description of the situation is that their whole body was covered with purple spots. And at that time, that was a sure sign they are going to die. And my mother said that their internal organs seemed to be rotten 
and the melting coming out as thick black liquid. My parents looked after them until their death. I'm just giving you a few examples of human suffering of 100,000 people. At that time, city had about 360,000 citizens. And they all went through this kind of situation. That was Setsuko Thurlow, and we are going to now speak with Margaret Williamson. She is a member of the Unitarian Church, and she's part of the Anti-Orcas Coalition and one of the organisers of the No More Hiroshima's Peace Not War rally that's happening in Nam, Melbourne. We'll be recording the speeches and bringing you some of those voices in upcoming shows. Thank you so much for joining us on the Radioactive Show, Margaret. Would you like to just start by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about when the bombing of Hiroshima first came into your consciousness? Hello, Nicola. Yes. Look, I'm a member of the Anti-Orchest Victoria uh, and IPAN Victoria Committee um, and I'm also a committee and management member of the Melbourne Unitarian Peace Memorial Church. Um, I think at this stage, with the amount of war talk around, the peace becomes the important issue for us all. And I think that's how come I, I became involved uh, being in opposition to all things nuclear. Um, nuclear weapons, nuclear-driven military vessels uh, and nuclear power, for that matter, as well. And I can't actually remember when I first became um, interested and and involved. It would have been when I was very young because I can recall my, uh, my father, who'd had a particularly bad war in the Second World War, um, he... He actually said, for all the things that happened in the Second World War, the worst thing that they did was drop the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, And without going into the detail, um, for a person who had gone through what he went through, that was an incredible comment. And so um, I I became interested in in that. And, you know, I'm, I'm in my 70s now, so as a child... I, we grew up with the fear of having bombs dropped on us. They were, there were films, there, there were documentaries, you know, there was talk of what do you do if they drop the bomb? And, um, you know, that was pretty scary. So um, I've always been conscious of it. I must say, I, I often ask myself why it was, though, but it wasn't until I was in my my probably late 20s, early 30s, that I realised that they'd tested bombs on Australian territory. Uh, and when I realised that, um, I, I became even more incensed at the fact that the people in power could make decisions to do things like that when the general population was barely aware of it, if at all. And later on, of course, we then found out the impact of that on the Indigenous population in Australia. But we also found out, too, the impact 
on those military personnel that they use as guinea pigs. Um, and then, you know, what went on out there in the Pacific where they were testing bombs left, right and centre. Horrendous. Just horrendous. Um, and I, I must say, every now and then, when I um, listen to the, to the news and, and watch it, I think there's an element of madness out there that people can talk about warfare and nuclear warfare without seeming to recognise what went on in Hiroshima and what's gone on throughout all the testing. Yes, that's it. And I guess all those ongoing health impacts and impacts on the environment that people are still living with really hasn't been that long, has it? No, no, it hasn't been. Um, You know, we're talking about um, the 1950s, 60s, 70s. Uh, You know, the fact that that the, the French actually sunk the Rainbow Warrior because they were upset about antagonisms to nuclear testing. Um, you know, it sort of says it all, really, uh, about how such powerful countries can make horrendous decisions, decisions that I don't believe that they've actually looked at the impact on the ordinary person. Now... One of the current nuclear issues that is a focus of the vigil happening at the State Library on Hiroshima Day, the 6th of August, organised by the No AUKUS Coalition, is the Nuclear Submarines. Tell us where that campaign's at and what sort of activities the No AUKUS Coalition will be um, promoting at this rally. Yeah, Michaela, we've... um We've been gathering now for a while. Um, started uh, last year. We had a, a huge national uh, Zoom hookup, and about two hundred and forty people, one hundred and forty people on that at least, um, and all sorts of organisations, um, faith groups, uh, unions, uh, people from um, political organisations community organisations, peace organisations, um, and we've been uh, working on um, raising the consciousness of the community about the fact that the previous government, in a fairly short space of time, without any discussion in Parliament, without even giving the opposition a chance to have a debate or a discussion about it, decided to um, involve itself in this AUKUS organisation uh, and as part of that to undertake to buy off the Americans and all the British eight nuclear submarines, uh, which wouldn't be ready to use until, I think, 40 years hence or the um, 30 years hence. And, you know, that's... That's incredible decision-making where we as a country uh, don't have the ability to, to debate something as important as that. You know, somebody said to us the other day, we're becoming like a, a US aircraft carrier sitting here in the Pacific. 
um, being loaded with with weapons to become involved in US acts of aggression in the Pacific and wider. And, you know, that's a pretty serious position for Australia to be placed in. Uh, we've already got Pine Gap, Northwest Cape, wherever else they've got them that we don't know about. Uh, we've got American troops in Darwin and Marines. Um, you know, they're talking about putting more in. So this is one of the most, as well as climate, and I believe that the two are linked because nuclear war would just decimate us as far as climate issues are concerned. But this is one of the most important issues facing us. Uh, and spending $170 billion, billion, the B, not the M, on, on nuclear submarines when we desperately need public housing, we, we desperately need uh, our hospitals to be upgraded, uh, education, uh, social and, and community issues, out there with mental health and um, and and climate, um, what a you could almost say that it's a ridiculous position that we find ourselves in. That every night on the news, you have a member of the new government telling us what they can't afford to pay for, and that we have trillions of dollars of debt that we've got to overcome. But at the same time. They're prepared to spend $170 billion on nuclear submarines. It's open to debate that we need them. We don't need them. It just doesn't make sense, does it? No. You know, how, how can you, you have um, people on TV, our leaders, mm. telling us that they can't afford to put more nurses and doctors into hospitals that... They can't afford to um, better better staff our schools in a time like COVID. Uh, that we can't have enough enough social housing um, for, for people that are homeless, and then tell us on the other hand that they want to spend 170 billion dollars on on uh, nuclear submarines. And I must say, I think if the ordinary average Australian out there has the opportunity to think about this, they will agree with us that it's a nonsense. And that's what our rally on Saturday is all about. It's about no more Hiroshima. Uh, it's about no war with China. It's about no more war. It's about getting people to sign the treaties against nuclear weapons. We just heard from Margaret Williamson from the Anti-Orcus Coalition that's all for the show today. Uh, thanks so much for joining us and tune in again next week for more nuclear peace and energy issues. The Radioactive Show is produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, with the support of the Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective and broadcast nationally thanks to the Community Radio Network. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.